Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com and is associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Araminta Show. Welcome to a new episode of Casual Chats. I am Patricia, and I am back with someone who hasn't been on for a while. We have Kat Kalamia, aka Comic Uno, so welcome back. How's it going? Thanks for having me. So today we are going to be discussing about uh, something comic book related again, except that it's not based off of anything from Marvel or DC or Dark Horse or anything of the sort. It's actually an independent comic, and uh, I just so happen to be interviewing the author of the comic book. So uh, we're going to be talking about like father, like daughter, and uh, discuss more in detail about how you came up with the idea and about the story plot, the, uh, the characters, and various other things. So why don't you give a brief description for those who don't know what it's about? Yeah, of course. Uh, well, currently I have a, a Kickstarter. Well, as we, as we record this, it's the eve of the Kickstarter. Uh, and I'm launching a 30-day campaign for Life by Light Daughter. Uh, we're up to issue seven. It's about a high school girl. Father lets her become a full-time superhero. Everyone in the world loves him except for her. And then she inherits his abilities. Uh, there's a lot of twists and turns that come. Uh, and yeah, really excited for people to read it. How'd you come up with the idea? Oh, wow. So I actually wrote this uh, years ago, a couple of years ago when I was in college. Um, I just graduated with my master's. So it's, you know, it's, it's been a while. Uh, and I wrote a screenplay uh, for this story. And it's obviously evolved and changed since it's become a comic. Uh, but it actually started out as screenplay. And I remember it was on my computer and I was like, you know, I really want to do something with this. I've, I've been 
I'm reviewing comics, at least at that time for five years. Uh, now it's been 10 years. I've been reviewing comics since I was in high school and I've read comics since I don't know when it's been so long. Uh, and I, I've always wanted to, to do that. I wanted to do something in comics. So I decided to write a comic and here we are seven issues later. I have another comic as well. And, you know, even more planned. So it's, it's kind of surreal. Yeah, absolutely. Considering that um, the independent comic scene has definitely grown over the past couple of years with a lot more people wanting to say, hey, you know, I have this idea that I want to write down and then I'm going to pitch it over to, you know, these major companies, but then they don't pick the dump. And it's like, oh, what am I going to do? But no, I think nowadays, because with the advent of the internet and many companies that are out there that are willing to take in some creative new ideas, I think that um, the fact that you're able to do this is uh, very, um, you know, it's very telling about how you're able to take something that you wanted to pitch as something else and, and turn it into its own thing. So that's, uh, that's great of you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, it's really cool to see how the indie scene has grown and, and even people who work for Marvel and DC deciding um, with their own indie books, kind of taking a similar avenue, uh, especially with Kickstarter. That's really happened especially this year with things like Keanu Reeves' Kickstarter, Scott Snyder's Kickstarter. And I feel like every month there's some big time comic creator jumping on board uh, Kickstarter and saying, Hey, kind of want to do this on my own uh, because I think there's, there's something to say with that. And, and the control of that is a really interesting thing. Yeah. Not to mention that it's really big in conventions in which people are able to distribute some new comic book ideas and people would be really interested in reading it. Speaking of which, um, we actually met in person a few years ago when you were at a convention in Florida and you were producing yeah. stuff over there too. Yeah. And it's so crazy uh, because coronavirus now, right? So we haven't been able to do conventions. Right, and- right. Unless it's virtual. Yeah, exactly. So that's been kind of wild because that's like a big part of indie comics. Uh, I mean, I guess depending on what avenue you take, but in my point of view, you got to do conventions to to get yourself out there and to make sales. So it's kind of been strange not to do the conventions for now what it is a year and who knows how much longer. So uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting, it will be interesting post-COVID what that's going to all look like. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, for those who don't want to go to a convention because of COVID, maybe they'll do a hybrid in which it'll be both virtual and live person. But yeah, I mean, I think that even with before COVID, people would be afraid to get something called the con flu in which like, for some reason, you know, because they're surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people, they would get sick with some sort of flu because, you know, everybody's crowding to each other, waiting in line for um, getting something to eat or waiting in line for some autograph or whatever. It's like you do get a tendency of being around people who um, you don't know if they're well or not. So, I mean, I think definitely for sure once, um, you know, this whole COVID-19 thing is over that they'll definitely have to do some major adjustments, especially with, you know, um, I think I remember seeing a picture of a can, I don't remember which convention it was. It may have been like some convention in California where they were showing off, um, Oh, um, you know, this is the turnout for these people. And it was like over 50,000 people. And they were just like crowding around in an escalator. And it was like, you know, you barely have like two inches to move. So it's unbelievable. 
For sure. Um, I don't know if conventions are going to look like that. And I don't and, know either. Yeah, but it all it all depends. It, uh, we're all we're all living in that world, and and hopefully, you know, we we could get a chance to quote unquote see some normalcy. I guess if if that's ever a thing. Sure. So anyway, continuing on with like father, like daughter. So what was the process of eventually getting your comic from being a screenplay to it eventually being a comic and then starting the Kickstarter? Oh yeah. A uh, long process. So um, I, I uh, published my own book now, um, but I actually worked for a publisher called Short Fuse and they really helped me find an artist and you know the first time stuff that you y'all you always have to learn they really helped and find a letter blah blah so that was like my venture back then and then we decided oh we should do kickstarter because uh, this is like 2000 and uh i don't even know 2015 or something so you know this was before kickstarter was quote i guess quote unquote as big it is now uh but Publishing myself, it, it, that's been fun too. And in working on other projects, finding my own artists and, and finding your own letter and color. So it really is finding your team and, and figuring out budget and all that. And with Kickstarter, it's like anything else, like any other social media. And I, I guess I'll count it as a social media. It's not really, but it works like social media where you have to learn the platform. You have to know what's on it. You got to learn how to navigate it, what the analytics are like for the site. Uh, so just like being a writer and, and anything you go into, you got to learn and you, you, you got to study it. Yeah, exactly. And also it's very similar to being an entrepreneur as well, because I'm taking my minor in entrepreneurship and with, with what we learned in entrepreneurship is that you need to be able to present yourself out there because there are thousands of other people who are going to be just like you. You just need to be able to find a way to make yourself stand out compared to everybody else. And not to mention about marketing yourself. How are you going to be able to uh, present your product over to a person and say, okay, uh, I have this product. What do you think of it? Uh, what did you like about it? What you, didn't you like about it? With Kickstarter, I feel uh, that you need to be able to keep up uh, your, your fan base updated with whatever that you're doing, whether it be, okay, update, uh, we have 30% uh, of this colored and blah, 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 and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, it's very important to notify your fans about like, oh, uh, you know, this is happening and, you know, we're getting one step closer for the release of this comic and, you know, it, it, you know unfortunately, there have been bad cases of Kickstarter in which like, they would have, you know, maybe like one or two updates and then they would not update for months and you would assume that they're really busy, but then um, you're wondering, oh man, have I been scanned or whatever? So yeah, it's always good to have a connection with your fan base, especially when you're doing a huge crowdfunding campaign. Oh yeah. Uh, Communication is definitely key in my opinion. And transparency and i think on the creator side if you've never done a kickstarter at least from my point of view i always try to get most of the comic done beforehand now that's not everyone's case some people are looking for kickstarter because they literally at that moment can't pay for the project now i'm lucky enough that i've been in in the position where i've been able to pay for the comic with my own money and be able to use the crowd for the crowdsourcing to, you know, the return for the money. So everyone's paid 
like I'm not making, I don't have artists wait for a paycheck while I'm waiting for Kickstarter. Lucky enough, I'm in the position where I could pay them up front and they can get their money beforehand. So that's great. And I think that's the issue with maybe some Kickstarters and why it takes so long is that those projects aren't done because they couldn't pay for it uh, up front. But uh, yeah, I think you need to be transparent with that if that's what's going on. And you have to have a plan. You got to know how much you can get done before the project. And again, I, if you can, I say get most of the book done or, or if, if not all of the book done. So you get in, into your customer's hands as quickly as possible. So, um, uh, so yeah, I'm sure that a lot of people who are wanting to know about how to start their own comic book series or, you know, what are the step process of finding your artist and finding your uh, color person and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, how did you find the people that was going to work for fa like father and like daughter? Well, like I said, uh, that was for uh, short fuse media found those people. Um, but along the way, actually every, everyone's actually changed there since our last two issues while I took over the book completely, um, the only person that stayed on the book was uh, my artist. So how I found my new colorist, my new letterer, um, they're actually just really good friends. So that was a coincidence that uh, one of my really, really good friends, Brant Fowler, is also a comic creator and comic publisher. And he's also a letterer and he's been doing this for 10 plus years and I trust his work. and. When I was looking for someone new, um, you know, I don't think you could be proficient in everything. And I'm sure if you've been working as a letterer for 10 years, you know, great lettering uh, next to good lettering. And I think I know what good lettering looks like. I know what bad lettering looks like, but I don't know what great lettering looks like. So I always trust my my friend Brant's opinion. And then when the opportunity came to get a new letterer, I was like, oh, hey, Brant, you want to be my letterer? So that, that ended up happening. Um, and I'll obviously go into a story of like, if you're, if you're not me and weren't previous connected to the comic book um, community, how you could find those people. Um, my colorist, uh, lucky enough, is Brant's wife. So uh, I was able to find my colorist that way. And um, again, the artists I already previously had. Now I've done other projects and we're actually, I'm working on a current project now where we, we had a do exactly what you have to do to get another, uh, make another comic, which is to find an artist, colorist, and letter. Um, now, again, for lettering, I, I'd probably use Brant, but to find a letter, there's there's Facebook groups, there's there's wonderful Facebook groups, and you could study what it is, what makes good lettering, what makes bad lettering. That way, you could hire the person you want. Uh, and I mean, visually, you could you could probably see as a reader if they're good or not. Uh, again, it might be hard to tell if they're great, but you could tell. Um, same, I mean, this is the same thing goes for anything you're hiring is that you, you really got to look on the Facebook groups for artists and colorists, uh, great places. Behance is a good website. Um, I really like ArtStation, I think has a lot of great, uh, creators on there. Uh, and then DeviantArt is another way to go. I don't love how the sites navigates. It's, I don't think it's as good as it used to be, but that's another example. Twitter, you could follow artists and colorists along the way and be like, okay, I'm going to bookmark that person. And then when you have your project, you could contact them, see what their rates are. Uh, same thing for an artist. I think Twitter and Instagram and all those places. And, and really for our, the current project I'm working on, I did a mix of all of it. I, I looked through Twitter. I, I looked for, through Instagram. I looked through um I looked through ArtStation and we found a, a lot of my variant cover artists I found on ArtStation. So it's, I, it, I, I hate to say it, but it's, it's a lot of research. 
it's a lot of your time just looking through people's portfolios and trying to find those portfolios. And yeah, it's a lot of hard work, but it's definitely um, wonderful when it's all said and done and you got a great creative team uh, behind you. Yeah. And I think that uh, once again, going into the discussion about how crucial social media is, is that um, we can be able to find all of these artists and all of these websites, as opposed to like, uh, you have to know a person who knows a person who knows a person and say, um, hey, do you, um, can you be able to hook me up with someone who's an artist? And they'll be like, sure, let me get, let me give you in contact with my guy. And then that person will get in contact with that person. So yeah, it, it was used to be like really complicated, especially if you uh, weren't in the comic book industry and you wanted to get in, you wanted to get your foot in the door. So I think that with, um, you know, places such as DeviantArt or Twitter or, or all the websites that you just mentioned is that you can be able to find a lot of talented people and they can be able to help you out with whatever that you need, especially within the world of whether it be with um, graphic novels or comics or uh, strips or whatever. So yeah, for, for I think this is great advice, especially for those who are listening and they, you want to start your own original projects that yeah, you, you definitely need to take a lot of time into doing a ton of research and, you know, save up money for your resources. Like, you know, depending on who the artist is, you know, they would pay you for maybe like, um, you know, a half shot or a full shot, black and white color, put in the details, shadows, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, that that's going to cost money and it's going to cost people's time. And, you know, I, I, it may be, you know, if you look into the rate, it, it does look like a lot, but you know, this is what they do for a living. You know, they're, they work freelance and um, you know, they are very interested in working on original projects that they can be able to, um, you know, say that they are very proud of doing. And I'm sure that uh, for your artists and all the people that you worked on, uh, you know, worked with for like father, like daughter are very proud of uh, all the work that they've been put, able to put into it. Yeah, for sure. You know, I always say it like this too, because I've gotten creators where they're like, well, why do I have to pay all this money to these people, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, like you just said, because it's their job and, you know, it's a business. So it's an, an investment. That's, that's, um, that's their job. And uh, so your job is to figure out, okay, is this investment worth it? Can I make a profit off of it? Just like any other business. It's kind of like opening up a restaurant, right? Like you're not making money right away when you don't have customers, but you still need to buy the food. You still need to buy the chairs. You still need to buy the, the space. So you're putting money into something that will hopefully make you money um, in the long run, but it's an investment just like any, anything. And you have to treat it, you have to treat it like your own business because it is your own business. Now I'm actually curious um, who have been your favorite characters and what's been your favorite moment of like father, like daughter so far. Oh man. My favorite moment thus far uh, is probably an issue five uh, spoiler alert. Uh, we find out Casey's mom was the villain the whole time so she works for the KGB and she is like undercover the whole time and and we we learn more about her story and issue six uh, and then in this arc in general we're going to learn a lot more about her and and the complications of her being a villain uh, and that we also learned that the reason her dad left was because because of her but Casey doesn't know that my favorite character that's so hard um, I have to go with uh, Casey's friend, though, Stephanie. Um, she has a really cool arc coming up um, after issue eight. 
uh, that I'm really proud of. And yeah, I, I just, I think it's, it's kind of cool to see a character uh, grow into her own because she's like literally a supporting character. And, and that's always been her role is being a supportive friend. And like, no matter what, she cares about other people sometimes more than herself and, and taking care of herself. So I'm excited for people to see the journey of, of learning more about her. All right. Well, definitely for those who are interested in reading more into it, uh, we'll, we'll discuss more about that later on. But now, uh, of course, you were saying earlier about how, you know, doing your own, you know, comic book series is essentially like doing your own business. And, you know, unfortunately, and this happens to a lot of businesses, sadly, that there's going to be a lot of setbacks and there's going to be um, maybe some things that you wanted to put into it, but you weren't able to. So were there any um, parts of the story that you wanted to put into or any crucial scenes that you wanted to have, but you weren't able to do either because of time constraints or because of budget? issues or maybe because of um any of uh, anything else lucky enough um i think we've timed the book really well um where we were able to make the money we needed to meet our budget and and, and our last kickstarter go above our budget uh and and make a profit just on kickstarter which was really cool um and hopefully we could do that again for uh this one and uh and make the book even better because when you get higher than your budget you can put your money into the next issue and and making things even better and and uh and i think that's pretty cool but yeah uh, luckily i i haven't had any setbacks i think the only setback i've ever had with budgets maybe i had a variant cover artist i really really loved but they were like a thousand bucks and i'm like i can't afford a thousand dollars for a variant cover um but you know, they deserve a thousand dollars because they're great. And um, I think all artists deserve even more uh, for their time and effort. Um, but yeah, I would say that was probably my biggest setback ever is just maybe some great variant cover artists that I would have liked, but a little out, little out of our budget. I know, I know that you, you know, for a writer, especially since, um, you know, you have to go through like multiple drafts or um, you have to have like, uh, an, you have an idea and maybe it doesn't work out the first time. Were there any cases in which like you had an idea or you had a character or anything of the sort, but you uh, eventually cut it off or you rewrote it in a way that fit more into the story? Yeah, I mean, luckily, I haven't um, had to kill any darlings. Like, I don't think I've ever really had to really kill a story um, in that regard. Um, but I've always, I think, built on every draft makes something better. And in the moment, you might think it's a darling, uh, you know, because like, oh, I really like that line or I really like that scene. But it's just not, you know, this part's not working. And I think in the long run, it's always better when you when you try to figure something else out and maybe you find another darling. Um, there's definitely stories I wish I could tell earlier, like the one I was talking about with Stephanie. Um, there's a big story for her that I wish I could do now. And I think people will really love when it when we get there. Uh, but it's pacing, right? You don't you want to have the, the kitchen sink and everything in it. You, you, you want, as a writer, you got to have to pace things correctly. As much as I'm excited to tell that story, naturally, it didn't happen right now. It naturally happens in issue nine. So yeah, there's things I'm super excited about that I wish was here and like the Jessica reveal happened in issue five. I wish it was there in issue one. I wish I could have told that story right away, but it wouldn't have the impact it did if it weren't in issue five because we needed to learn more about Invulnerable and Casey's relationship before we got that reveal. So 
yeah, sometimes in the moment it feels like, oh man, I wish I could do that. But in the long run, you're doing it for a reason and it's for the product to be better. I definitely want to wrap things up with a few more questions. So um, I want to know for, uh, you know, let's just say that, um, you know, because we have a lot more, um, you know, appreciation for indie comics and even some of them, you know, would go into be, um, you know, um, animated series or live action series on streaming services or even in theaters. Um, how would you like to see an adaptation of like father, like daughter? I always felt like it worked for a TV show. Um, interestingly enough, cause I said, and which is true that this started out as a screenplay. I think as I've written the comic, it's kind of grown into a more serialized story. And I, I definitely see a TV season for it um, and a continuous story. Uh, so I would say a TV show. And would it be live action or animated? Ooh, I animated would be cool. I kind of like, I want to see how this Invincible show does, the Robert Kirkman one, because I think in that vein, it'd be kind of interesting. Okay. And who would you like to work on it? Um, I definitely would want to be the showrunner for that one. So me. <laughs> um, well, I, mean, I meant by, um, you know, who would, who would you like to uh, hire to animate if you could? Animate, that's interesting. Um, I'm interested to see what Chris Anka is doing on the Into the Spider-Verse um, the movie, the, the sure. sequel. Yeah, and I love his work. So I'm going to say Chris Anka. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. So uh, for those who are wanting to get started on uh, their own uh, comic series, uh, is there any other advice that you would like to share that you wish that you would have learned the first time you were doing it? Um, be patient, I think, is some, some advice I would have. And, uh, oh man, I, I, I feel like because it's been such a long journey, I could do a whole podcast of advice. Um, but I think a lot of people, I think when I see a lot of people come up to me and say, hey, I want to write comics, um, I say, cool, what have you written? A lot of times says, well, I have this idea, and that's not writing. So I think my biggest thing is to say, when you want to write a comic, write a comic. Learn how to write a comic. Learn how to write a script. Um, write the script out. Write more comics before you publish that first issue. You know, write a second issue. Uh, my third know your ending uh so i would say just because that's usually the question i get the most and that's a response i've gotten the most is do the research yeah just just try to understand the medium and try to understand what goes into writing it's it's definitely more than the idea because i think anyone could come up with the idea but a writer can write yes very true so yeah um cat thank you so much for coming on by i really do appreciate it of course thank you for having me so I would like to know not only where people can find Like Father, Like Daughter, but also uh, where can people find you at on social media? Yeah, you can find me at Comiguno on Twitter for most, really mostly anywhere you can find me at Comiguno. That's also my YouTube channel where I review comics on a weekly basis. And for Like Father, Like Daughter, uh, with the Kickstarter, if you're watching it in November slash the beginning of December, definitely i hope you guys could go support like follow like daughter that is the best place to support the comic is when those kickstarters are live uh you could literally support the book for a dollar and you're getting eight free digital comics so i really try to get good prices and to give you guys a lot of good stuff with the kickstarter uh but if you're watching this later or whatever um i also have an etsy store under comic you know where i have right now 
they call her a dancer, which is my other book available, issues one through two, and uh, like Folly Daughters, issue one through five. Uh, I'm not putting that live for issue six just yet because I, I want to include it to the Kickstarter with issue seven. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, I'll have issue six on, on uh, Etsy after the Kickstarter. All right, then. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, let us know in the comments below. Um, if you have read Like Father, Like Daughter, uh, what did you think of it? Uh, who are your favorite characters? What were your favorite moments? And also, if any of you guys are interested in, um, you know, producing your own comics or, um, you know, maybe even producing your own uh, original works, then uh, definitely, um, you know, share your work uh, or, you know, for those who are interested in it. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Hope to see you around soon and take care.